Okay, we are in Acts, the book of Acts, reading in, in chapter 21. And last week we had talked about Paul and his willingness to, uh, uh, to live under the law to those who were under the law in order that he might win them. And then in Acts chapter 21, verse 27, it says, When the seven days were almost over, the Jews from Asia... The Jews from Asia, upon seeing him in the temple, began to stir up all the crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and the law and this place. And besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and defiled the holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, the Ephesian in the city with him, and they said, Suppose Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was provoked, and the people rushed together, and taking hold of Paul, they dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. When they were seeking to kill him, a report came up to the commander of the Roman cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. At once he took along some soldiers and centurions and ran down to them, and when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came up and took hold of him, and ordered him to be bound with two chains. And he, began, and he began asking who he was and what he had done. But among the crowd, some were shouting one thing and some another. And when he could not find out the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. When he got to the stairs, he was carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob, for the multitude of the people kept following them, shouting, Away with him! And as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the commander, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Then you are not the Egyptian who sometime stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness. But Paul said, I am a Jew of Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no insignificant city, and I beg you, allow me to speak. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the stairs, motioned to the people with his hand, and when there was a great hush, he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect. Okay, so, they see Paul in the temple. They assume Paul had brought Gentiles in the temple, which he had not. And they started beating him. They dragged him out of the... the, uh, uh, So you, you had the outer court, which is the court of the Gentiles. You had the inner court, which was for Jews only. For violators of that... Uh, they could be killed, and the Jews were allowed to kill people who violated that rule. They, they had that freedom from the Romans to, to uh, uh, maintain the sanctity of their temple. But by their own law, they could not kill anyone without first having a trial. But here they were beating Paul to death. <clears throat> the Roman cohort comes running down, and we talked about it last week, with at least 200 soldiers, because it says that he came down with, uh, uh, um, with centurions, so it's plural, so it's at least 200 soldiers. And, and uh, the, so, so they come running down, they stop this the beating, and they start taking him aside. It says when they were bringing him back up into what is still there, the Antonio Fortress, in verse 35, when he got to the stairs, he was carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people kept following them, shouting, away with him. So the violence of the mob got so intense and there was so much, so, so, such violence, they actually had to pick Paul up and carry him. 
And it says that, that they were about to bring him into the barracks. Paul says to the, to the commander, that's the Kiliarch. So the Kiliarch is, uh, um, is over a thousand troops. So you have the Kiliarch and then, and then ten centurions under him. Under each centurion is a hundred troops. So total under this Kiliarch is a thousand troops. And he headed up this Antonio fortress uh, that overlooked the, the temple. And <clears throat> Paul spoke to him in a very clear Greek. And he said, oh, do you know Greek? If you know Greek, then you are not this Egyptian who has led these thousands of people uh, uh, into, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, these hundreds of people into rebellion. And, and other writers, other historians speak about that event. There was an Egyptian that, that led hundreds of people in rebellion against the Romans. They ended up fleeing to the, the temple, in, into the Mount of Olives, which is, oh, just about <clears throat> a half a mile up the hill. You go down in the valley, Kidron Valley, and then back up to the Mount of Olives. And the Romans went out and they engaged them, and, and many of these men fleed, and the Egyptian leader got away too. So at first, this, this uh, uh, Kiliar thought that Paul was this Egyptian leader, but when Paul speaks this perfect Greek to him, he says, oh, so you're not the Egyptian. He says, no. And he says, I am a Jew of Tarsus in Cilicia. Paul still identified himself with Judaism. That's what he called himself. He said, I am a Jew of Cilicia, a citizen of no insignificant city. So he says, he says that he's from Cilicia, he's a citizen of it, but he doesn't reveal that he is a Roman citizen. So, so uh, uh, Paul was from Tarsus in Cilicia, which, which uh, uh, though, though it, it was a protected area, it was, not, it was not a provincial area in the sense of, of something like Philippi that gave you immediate citizenship should you be born there. So that in itself did not r- reveal Paul's Roman citizenship. It just says that he's a Jew from Tarsus. And then he said, uh, uh, he gave Paul permission to speak. So think about this. Paul had just been beaten within an inch of his life. Paul had spent two and a half years on the mission field. After coming back from the mission field, he visits in Jerusalem. Immediately upon his visit in Jerusalem, they say, look, we got some problems here. The Jews here who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, this is what the, the, the church told them, uh, the, the Jews here think that, that you're, you're teaching all men everywhere not to follow the law and that you're teaching all men not to get circumcised, uh, uh, not to follow the law of Moses. And, and he, says, he says, I have nothing, you know, that's not true at all. So he goes through all of this to take up this Nazarite vow, to pay all these things. Can you imagine coming back after two and a half years of ministering? You're tired, you're kind of worn out, and you kind of want some attention. You know, now it's my time. Now is the time for people to be nice to me. Yeah, have you ever gotten like that? Look, I've been through a lot. You know, so, sometimes students get like that when they come home from school. Look, I've been rough at school, and, and now just, Mom, you cook for me. I'll just throw my stuff everywhere, and Mom will pick it up. You, you know what I mean? <clears throat> well, we all get like that sometimes. And so Paul could well have felt like that, but here he has to come back, and all of a sudden he has to do this to please all the believers in the church there. So he willingly says, hey, I'll do it. Fine. Paul constantly was giving of himself for others. So he goes ahead and does this, and now he's in the temple fulfilling the very thing that they asked him to do. So it wasn't like he was in rebellion or anything. And in the midst of his fulfilling this, the Jews who are not believers 
in that place, see him, assume that one of the men with him in the temple, because with him in the temple was was uh, uh, actually from Ephesus, was a Gentile from Ephesus, and they start beating him. And so his response to this is, can I talk to these people? Let me engage them and talk. And so he, what does he do? He starts to witness to them. He starts to share with them. Anybody else, I'm telling you, anybody else except Jesus would have said, all of you people can just go to hell and die. You know, here I am to share with you and, 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 and wanted to share Jesus and you're beating me to death. Usually you don't turn to the person who's just beaten you within an inch of your life and say, oh, you stopped? Great. Let me tell you about my Jesus. This is how amazing this man is. When you walk with Jesus, He calls you beyond yourself. And He calls you into things that a human being can't possibly do. And what He does is He takes us beyond ourselves into something that's so much greater. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing with Paul. Then Paul starts to speak to them in verse 40 in the Hebrew dialect. This is Hebrew, the... the, the, uh, the footnote will say, say Hebrew Aramaic. It is Hebrew. It is Hebrew. So, so there is this feeling that Hebrew was dead, that people spoke Aramaic. People may have spoken Aramaic on the street, but Hebrew wasn't dead to the Jews, wasn't dead to the Jews at all. And they still taught in Hebrew, they still conversed in Hebrew, as they do today. But he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect. And in, in chapter 22, verse 1, This is what Paul says. He says, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God just as you all are today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women, into prison, as also the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. But it happened as I was on the road approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. Okay, so Paul starts to share with them his testimony. I love testimonies. I love to hear how people came to the Lord. What's the story of, of, of how people met Jesus? It is powerful to use your testimony in sharing. This is, this is the practical things that God gives us. A testimony. Well, your testimony may be that I grew up in a Christian family. And God worked in my life and then I was in high school and I had this, this real awakening that really this was true. Whatever your testimony, this can actually impact people greatly. So Paul starts to share with them and think about this. It says in verse 40 of, of Acts chapter 21 that Paul was standing on the stairs. He motioned to the people with his hand. And a great hush came. And they became even more quiet when he started to speak to them in Hebrew. Paul was a born leader. And there are people that have certain gifts. And Paul apparently was indeed a leader. 
You know, some people, you, you give them the, the, the forum to speak, and they don't know at all how to even get the attention of the people. There are certain giftings that people have. And other people, all they do is walk up to the podium and everybody gets quiet. There are certain giftings that people have. And, and, and God has given giftings in the body of Christ. Paul apparently had this tremendous gift that this crowd, which was just trying to beat him and kill him, he could stand there and just raise his hand. And there was such authority that God had given him that a whole hush forms. And then he starts to speak to them. And what does he start to tell them? He doesn't start to give them some, some deep theology. He says, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you my story. And what would you like to do? Would you like to instruct Paul on how to witness? Look at how Paul is instructing us on how to witness. He begins to tell them his story. He says, I am a Jew. Again, he associates himself with Judaism. Never does he say, I am a Christian. He says, I am a Jew. He never lost his Jewishness. He says, I am a Jew, born of Tarsus in Cilicia, brought up in this city, in Jerusalem. He says, I was born there, but I was brought up in this city, and I was educated under Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a rabbi of that generation. Gamaliel, we we, we read about him in the Gospels, where Gamaliel had spoken words to the council. Gamaliel was was a very respected rabbi, and you could be trained under a a specific rabbi. And in fact, this under means at the foot of, because... because, uh, Rabbis would always sit in a chair, and the pupils would sit around the rabbi on the ground. And that same practice continues today. In fact, if you go into many Orthodox uh, uh, synagogues, the rabbi will come up and sit in a chair, and from the chair teach. And why do they do it that way? I don't know. Why do we stand up in Baptist churches? Why does the preacher stand up? That's just the way it is. And so that's just the way they do it. And that practice continues today. He says, I learned under Gamaliel. This is like saying... You know, I, I, went to, I went to MIT and studied engineering. I mean, this says something. There's, there's something there. And, and so he says, I studied under Gamaliel strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God just as you all are today. And look at what he, how he addresses them in verse, 20, in verse 22, ch- chapter 22, verse 1. He says, brethren and fathers, hear my defense. He doesn't say, you lousy guys who just beat me. You know what you just did? You know, this is brethren and fathers. How magnanimous can a man be to just be beaten to within an inch of his life and turn to these people and call them brethren and fathers? This is Jesus within a man. This is Jesus working through a man. This is what Jesus can do in a life. I am amazed at the life of Jesus Christ. That any man in his early 30s that can... Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, heal the lepers. People want to make him king and he says he has nothing to do with that. And, and any other human being would have their head swelled so much that they would never have a nice attitude. Let me tell you something. When things start going well in your life and you start being promoted and promoted, it's so easy and so natural to become ugly emotionally, to become ugly socially. This happens to people. The way Jesus could be so untouched by the world tells me that Jesus was not a typical human being. 
When you start getting promotions, when you get out of school and you're no longer, you know, just, just an undergrad, you know, and, you, and you, you, you start getting some position, you will see this tendency to treat others harshly. And it'll become more and more easy for you to treat others harshly as you get promoted. And you have to say, God, forgive me. God, work in my life. And this happens to me all the time. Just this past week, I was, I was talking with a, with a, a, a man in, in, the, uh, in the rec center. And the rec center, you know, wasn't opening up early and it was frustrating and all these things. And they, and they turn on the radio again. And the radio they play in there, the music isn't as bad as just the trash talk from the announcers on the radio. Just total trash. And finally I talked to this guy and said, look, I've asked your staff many times to change the radio station. It's so bad. If I said what these guys say, if I said in my classroom, I'd get in trouble. And here I'm in there with my students and, and, and they're having to listen to this. And I was just getting kind of hot with him. And he says, I understand, Dr. Tour, da, da, da. But anyway, I walked out of there and I felt really bad the whole night. I thought, who am I to talk to him like this? Who am I? to talk to him like this. And, and God really moved on my heart. And so the next day I went back to see him and I apologized. He said, look, you know, you weren't disrespectful. You were just stating your case. I said, no, but I shouldn't have stated it so intensely because it's not particularly your fault. And, 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 uh, um, but anyway, I had to go back. God will prompt you to go back and to mend the things where you've been ugly. And that won't just happen five years from now. That may happen tomorrow. That he sends you back to someone to apologize. Look at the way people responded. That he could look at people who had just beat him and kicked him and tried to kill him and say, Brethren and fathers, this is, this is Christ working through a man. Then he says, let me tell you about my life. He says, I persecuted, in verse 4, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prison. The way is, is a term that is often used in the book of Acts referring to this, this faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, I persecuted this way to death. In other words, I persecuted Christians. I persecuted followers, Jewish followers of Jesus Christ. I persecuted them to the death. He says, I was there when Stephen was, was, was being uh, uh, put to death and I cast my lot against him. I persecuted this way to the death. Long before Christians persecuted Jews, Jews persecuted other Jews who followed Jesus Christ. That is the historical record. That doesn't justify things going back. I'm just saying, you look at history, it was Jews persecuting other Jews who followed Jesus. That's what happened first. That's what Paul says. This is, was my life. I used to do this. The way you're beating me, I used to beat others. He says, I understand what you're talking about. I was as zealous as you are. He says, I used to bind people, put men and women in prison, men and women. You say, well, what happens if they have kids? No social services back then. The kids wander the streets. That's it. The man goes in prison, the woman goes in prison, and the children wander the streets. This is what Paul did. He says, you want to talk about zealousness? I was trained under the best rabbis in this very city. He says, I lived strictly according to the law of our fathers, just as you're living today. He says about persecuting this way, I was a bigger persecutor than you were. I used to kill people and have them put into prison. In verse 5, I had the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I received letters 
to the brethren and started off to Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. Paul got authorization from the high priest and from the council, from the Sanhedrin, letters, not just one letter, letters signed by different individuals granting Paul authority to go to Damascus. Damascus was in this province of Syria, which also contained Jerusalem. There was a province of Syria. And they, had, they were given authority by the Roman government to protect their faith. Paul was given this responsibility of going to Damascus, bringing the, the Jewish people there that believed Jesus Christ was the Messiah and bring them back to Jerusalem. Paul had this authority from them. And he wanted to bring them back to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. He says, but it happened as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime. A very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. Has anyone ever seen a bright light at noontime? And if you're in Israel, the sun is even brighter. It is really bright. And, and the, the, the ground is not dark like our dirt here. The ground is a very light color. It's a very light gray. Very sandy. And so you have the bright light of noontime, and all of a sudden Paul says, there was a bright light. This is the Shekinah glory. It is unnatural to have a brightness of a light at noontime that you say, hey, there's a bright light. I mean, you, you, could, have, you could have one of these big lights that flashes around the sky at night flash on you at noontime, and you're like, what's that flashlight doing over here? You, you don't even notice it. Paul describes this as a bright light. And look what Jesus says. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus the Nazarene whom you are persecuting. Jesus calls upon himself and he says, he doesn't say, I am Jesus who is sitting at the right hand of the Father with all authority. He says, I am Jesus the Nazarene. The guy who came from Nazareth. Remember, that's the town that they said, can anything good come out of, out of Nazareth? Jesus did not forget his humanity. He said, I am Jesus, the Nazarene. He did not forget his humanity. He said, I'm one of you guys. I'm from your same country. He didn't forget to call upon himself. He says, hey, I'm from Nazareth. That little town of Nazareth, that's where I'm from. That's how he described himself. I'm Jesus, the Nazarene. And he says, why are you persecuting me? When you do this to his people, it is persecuting him, he says. When you do this to the ones I love, he says, you are persecuting me. What else does Jesus call upon himself? What else does he call upon himself that is done to others? Let me read you this portion that, I, that I've read before. This is from this book, Joshua. Just the introduction. This is, this is the introduction that the, the author of this book is writing about how he grew up, what his home was like. He says, Our family of 12 children grew up during the Depression years. It was routine for people who wandered the streets to stop at our back door daily and ask for something to eat. My parents would always welcome them as members of the family, and my father would give them his place at the table and serve them. His answer to our questions as to why he was so nice to these shabby-looking strangers was that whatever we do to the poor, we do to God. God visits us in the form of the poor. 
That never meant anything to us until one night. There was a knock at the back door. It, it had been snowing all day long and there was over a foot of snow on the ground. We were surprised anyone would be out on such a miserable night. When one of us opened the door, a man was standing there, thin, bearded, and shabbily dressed. Before the man could say anything, my father invited him in, seated him as usual. He offered the man a bowl of soup, but the man declined. Quote, just give me a piece of bread and a cup of coffee, we'll be fine. Unquote, is all he said. When my father tried to get him to take something nourishing, the man said, no, save it for the children. He then proceeded to bless his little meal and eat it. One of my sisters asked him if he was a kidnapper. No, I love children, was all he said. When he finished, he asked God to bless us all, then took his cap and left, expressing his thanks, and he walked out the back door. We all ran to the various windows to watch him go out the alley. When he didn't pass, we went back to the kitchen and we looked out the kitchen door onto the porch. No sign of him. We opened the back door and looked on the porch. He was nowhere to be seen, and there were no footprints in the snow either, either on the porch or in the yard. He had just disappeared. Going back into the house, everyone wondered where he went. Father merely said, you should always learn to see God in the poor. Since then, we've realized that God has come to visit us all many times in various shapes and disguises. Jesus said, what you do, what you do to these others, you do to me. When you persecute them, you persecute me. What else did he say? What else did Jesus say that you do to others, you do to me? So, so look what the scriptures have to say about this. Look in, in, uh, in, in Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. Proverbs 19, verse 17. One who is gracious to the poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for all his good deed. When you're gracious to the poor man, you lend to the Lord. The Bible doesn't say you give to the Lord because the Lord is going to give back. You lend to the Lord. When you're gracious to the poor man, you lend to the Lord because the Lord is going to give you back. Look in, 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 uh, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. Matthew 10, 42. And whoever, and whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones, even a cup of cold water to drink. Truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. You give to one of these little ones, even a cup of cold water in my name, Jesus says, you will not lose your reward. This is what he says. Now, there's this entire portion regarding what we do for others, we do for the Lord. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. Look in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Okay, so this is Jesus. When He returns in all His glory, surrounded by His angels, everybody's around Him. It says, all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When, you, when, did, when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. What we do for other brethren, we do to Jesus. What we do to others, we do to Jesus. Jesus said, you persecute these, you are persecuting me. Jesus feels this. When I take out my anger on another, uh, on, 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 a, on a fellow believer, Jesus feels this. Jesus feels this. The scriptures clearly tell us that don't slander a slave to his master or his angel who cries out to God will cry out and you'll be in big trouble. So, so how much more, it goes beyond even just the believer. He says even a slave. The way we treat others, young men, the way you treat women, the way you treat women, God sees, and this is the daughter of Jesus. The way you treat women, Jesus feels this. This is the way you are treating His daughter. Will you show the children of Jesus respect? Will you show the daughters of Jesus respect? And remember, it says that the eyes of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord, that that, that, uh, darkness and the light are the same to Him. He sees everything. He sees everything. That I say, He hears. Everything that I do, He sees. What we do for others, what we do to others, Jesus Christ Himself feels. As a father, I can tell you, there, there, there was a, a, once a person who said something negative about my son. And he used, used really bad words. And this was a person in, in church authority at one point. And this was six, seven years ago. And, and he, he said something and he used these words about my son. And I thought... To this day, I still remember, that hit me so hard, that he would talk of my son that way. Talk about me that way, but not my son. That hurts me too much. That hurts me too much. And that's what Jesus says, when you persecute them, you persecute me. It really hits me. As a father, I can tell you, it hurts me more when I see my child suffer than for me. I'm like, Lord... Do that to me. Let that happen to me, not to them. I want to shelter them and protect them. And so, what we do, what we say to others, Jesus Christ Himself feels. He says, you are persecuting me. I'm Jesus the Nazarene. The guy from just up the road from Jerusalem. That's me. That's where I'm from. You know, yeah, I came in this bright light and this Shekinah glory. But I'm from just up the road. And I have a very humanness of feeling about me. And when you beat these people, you beat me. When you hurt these people, you hurt me. Jesus said, when you take care of the poor, you take care of the me. You take care of me. When you give something to help somebody out, you are blessing me, Jesus says. Then he says in verse 41 of Matthew chapter 25. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison 
and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not care, take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So what, what is the outcome? What is the outcome for not caring for another? What Jesus says, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Whoa. I thought it was kind of neutral to not help. You know, neutral to not get involved. To turn away. Maybe I won't get a blessing, but I won't get a curse either. No, the Bible says it's very specifically cursed. Remember, I didn't write this thing. This is the words of Jesus. He says, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. I mean, this is Jesus who loves the little children. This is his words. He says, because I was a stranger and you didn't care for me. I was in prison. You, didn't, you, you never visited me. You know, I was, in sick. I was sick and you, you never took care of me. And they said, when did we see it? He said, these are my brothers. Then he said again, he said, go away into eternal punishment. I mean, that's a long time. Eternal? Go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I think Jesus means business about this, don't you? <laughs> this, is, this is pretty vivid. When you persecute these others, when you throw that man in prison, when you throw that woman in prison, you're throwing me in prison. This is what Jesus feels. This is what needs to move us from this place to thinking that we can treat others in one way to cause us to treat them very differently because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. How we talk to people, how we speak to them. We are different. And that doesn't mean that we never blow it. But it means that we go back and we mend these things. We go back. We say, look, I'm, I'm sorry for the way I acted. And if they say, no, I understood. No. For the way I acted, I am sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. And shake their hand. We go back and we mend it. And sometimes things aren't easily mended. Sometimes people want to have nothing to do with you. I mean, one time I went to a lady and I said, please forgive me. And, uh, and she was clear. She said, no. I said, even if I'm asking you for forgiveness? She said, well, not today. Maybe another time. And I had to leave it at that. But from what you can do, go back and mend what you can mend. Jesus calls us to do this. We are to be a different people. We are to act differently. We are to respond to the world differently. We are to be different. And this is why Paul could stand there and say, yeah, I mean, can, can you imagine? They, it says they were beating him. So here he is lying on the ground covering himself. They're kicking him and beating him. Remember, one minute and you're dead. 
So maybe this went on for 30 seconds. The guy has got to be have all this pounding on his face. His nose is probably bloody and blood dripping from his eyes and his ears get, from getting kicked in the head. And it, his lips are swelling. And in the midst of this, he's saying, My brethren and my fathers, I care about you. I know the way you feel. I too was zealous like you are and persecuted this way. So I know the feelings you have about this. But let me tell you about the visitation of God in my life. And he used his testimony and his witness as a way to share with them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the words in the Scriptures that call us beyond ourselves, that cause us, call us to a selfless giving. Father, I thank You for the testimony of this, this man during the Depression years, how he used to just always give food to the poor and even give them his place at the family table. Father, thank You for the witness of Paul, how he gave of himself, and how Jesus, how Lord, You weep And you hurt for your people when they are hurt. Father, I pray that you would work in our lives to keep us from the ugliness of ourselves. That we would learn to treat others in a way that that we would treat Jesus. And Father, that you would learn to give. We would learn to give and be gracious in life. Father, I pray for your grace to abound. Lord, I pray for these young people that the truth of God would be spoken to their hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen.